We're going to continue our study on faithful God, and we're studying the life of Moses. So take your Bible to Exodus chapter 3, and we're studying his life and what God was doing through Moses. We know this story. A lot of people grew up knowing the story of Moses and the things that he did, but we're, we're zoning in a little deeper because we're going into the God of Moses. What was God doing through the life of Moses as he was going through this? It was really powerful to see and so, and I want, to, I want to title this one, uh, How God is Faithful Through Our Doubt. Faithful Through Our Doubt. And because we all struggle with this. God calls us to something and immediately we're like, man, I've got a burden. It's so cool that I was asked. And, you know, right now we're in this season of uh, nominating deacons and we're getting ready to have our business meeting and doing all that. And we go through this and a lot of people are, oh, no, not me. I'm not good enough, and, or I, I, I'm not qualified, or I could never do that or pull that off. Ask people to be life group leaders. Now, no, no, I'm sorry. That's just not me. But the thing about it is God does his work through calling people to come out of their comfort zone to doing things that they've never done before. And that's what God's doing through Moses in this passage right here. So we really, we think, can I really do this? Does God really know my qualifications? Am I, could I pull this off? And uh, it's, it's amazing how we can struggle with our minds. And these things are real. We, they're real spiritual battles that we have. You've got to think, Satan's going to put doubt in your mind. He's always done that from the very beginning with Genesis. And God told Adam and Eve the rules of what was to happen, not happen. And then Satan comes along and says, did God really say that? You need to think of what he did. He just placed doubt in their minds. He'll do that with all of us. He'll, he'll make you think you're not going to be good enough as a parent. You'll never be a good enough leader. You'll never be a good enough Christian. We just have these doubts. But a lot of times we miss out on what God's doing because of this. We listen to that fear. We get overcome by those things. Now, I know I've talked a lot about my calling, and I, I use myself as an illustration. I do that because I don't know your life, so it's easier to talk about my life. Uh, but I know this was totally me at the beginning, uh, I've, I've heard people say things like, how do you know you're truly called in the ministry? How do, you, how do you know? I mean, at the beginning, I remember really feeling convicted as I was growing up, different services and stuff that I was in. And I remember being in chapel. I went to Christian school, and I remember being in a chapel, and we were going around the room testifying. And we were, it was just a chapel for like the juniors and seniors, this class that we were in. And I remember everybody raising their hands, kind of testifying what God was going to do in their life. And I just remember raising my hand and as, as honest as possible, I wasn't just making this up. I wasn't trying to be hyper-spiritual and stuff. I know God hasn't called me into ministry because he's never given me the ability to talk in front of people and I choke up and things like that. I, so I know, I know what God's not called me into. Now I look back and I laugh. I remember where I was sitting. I remember that. I just remember so much about that moment because I was so wrong. Because I was using my insecurities and I was using my problems of struggling with speaking in front of people and all that as excuses not to follow God. From there, I surrendered at camp our senior year. We went to a certain camp. It was the Camp of the Wilds. And I remember we had this certain service and I remember God working my heart. And so I remember saying, well, I'll go in the ministry. So I surrendered to full-time ministry, but then I ended up going to college for computer science. And I know most of you guys have heard this a thousand times because I was still struggling. I still couldn't give up that God wants to use me in full-time ministry because I had all these doubts. So I go a year through that. At the end of it, I'm like, man, I'm miserable doing this. So I surrendered to go to Bible college. I transitioned from one college to the next, go to the next college. 
I go for there, and I still did not surrender the preach. People are like, oh, so you're going to be a preacher? I said, no. So you're going to be a pastor, youth pastor? I said, I don't know. And they said, why are you in Bible college to be a minister, but you don't even know if you're called to preach? And I said, man, I just, I don't have it. I'm not good enough. I, I, I don't have those qualities. And then about halfway through Bible college, we were in a service, and I just remember God totally getting a hold of my heart, and, and it was like, are you seriously going to keep making excuses when I keep pulling you one pull at a time, just one step at a time to get me closer to God? And finally, I just remember going forward in that service and surrendering the preach. And I know all my friends were looking at me like, you're two years through Bible college and you're surrendering the preach? It just didn't add up. But I, I struggled with it that bad. And even today, I, I just, you know, you think, there's so many other people that could do this better or there's so many other talented people. You compare yourself to others. We battle with doubts. And so I, I'm just being transparent as I'm sitting up here. I, I don't want anybody thinking that when we read Moses and we're thinking, man, what's wrong with you, dude? What's wrong with all of us? We all do that. We struggle with doubts in our lives. And we keep pushing God away. You know the verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Let that sink in. Now unto him... That is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. So you know what that means? What do you think you can do? Well, I can tell you my limits and I can tell you what I can't do. And God says, all right, now unto me, that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that. That's what that verse is saying. You think you're limiting. It's like, man, I'm a horrible mom. I just, I see all these other moms on Pinterest and all these other facades that we see of people putting up something that they're not. And we try to compare ourselves to those things. And God says, don't limit yourself to what you're comparing yourself to everybody else. Now unto him, unto him that is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. It's, it's what God does through us. God can use anything and anyone. You want me to prove it? Back up to where we were last week in Exodus chapter 3. God shows up to him in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of nothing, in a, in a thorny shrub. It, this this pathetic bush in the middle of, not, not, a, not a towering, uh, you know, oak tree. It wasn't in the, a, a mountain. It wasn't in the clouds. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a burning bush. Because it wasn't about the bush. It was about the power of God in the presence of the bush. But we still doubt. Here, he's standing in front of the presence of God. And God will call us in the services. And God will work in our hearts. And God will work with you while you're driving down the road. And we'll still be consumed with doubt and make excuses. So let's dive into this. Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. And I'm going to show you all the doubt that he had. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, this is what we stopped with last week, to see God called unto him out of the, out of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Here am I. It's like, Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do? You know, it's like God wants to use you and he's calling you. And he responds to this. And he does this out of this thorny shrub to give this visual. And this is what happens, verse 5. And, and I mean, this is, this is a passage that I've heard my whole life. And I hope we understand what God is doing in this. In verse 5, and he said, draw not hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is its holy ground. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a question. I want you seriously to think about it. For everybody watching online and here in our audience right now, why did God tell him to take off his shoes? 
I mean, no, he explained it. He said, because where you're standing is holy ground. So I guess the true question that I'm asking is, what made it holy ground? What, what made it holy ground? Because Moses is probably sitting there thinking, it's, it's dirt. This is dirt. It's not holy ground. Why was he doing this? It's not about the place. It was about the presence of God. And I think sometimes we get wrapped up around about the place. And I've, I've, I've probably preached about this, about the ecclesia, of what the church is, a calling out assembling of God's people. And we will sit there and talk about disrespecting the church because you say something inappropriate in these walls. You know what I'm saying? I've heard this, and anybody that knows me for a while, this is a pet peeve with me. It's like, don't say that. I can't believe you just said that in church. It's like, you think that God is really more aggravated with you now for saying that because you're in this building with a sign out front? Let me make it very clear. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. If it's wrong to say in here, it's wrong to say in your home, it's wrong to say in your car, it's wrong to say at work, it's wrong to say on the ball field. Wrong is wrong. We try to spiritualize places. Let me tell you, that's idol worship. When we start drawing to brick and mortar and we start acting different because we're in a place with a sign on it is wrong. Do you understand why God was calling him to act differently because he was standing in the presence of the great I am? It's about the holiness of God. And this is another subject that, I mean, we really need to get into more often of understanding that we are to be holy for he is holy. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 3.16, know ye not that ye, you are the temple of the God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. So we talk about, he, he said right there, he said, I want you to treat this different because you're standing in the presence of God. And I, want, I, know, I need you to understand as believers, you need to live differently because you're living with the presence of God. That's what sanctification is. That's what the holiness of God is. It, it's, it's the same thing as if I, I've, I took my cup of water right here and, and if it was dirty, I would not drink out of it. We're vessels of God. That's what we are. We want to be filled with the Spirit of God. And God says, you're, you're to be spilled out and clean to where God can put His Spirit in us. And I'm not talking about salvation or losing your... So I'm talking about being Spirit-filled and Spirit-led to where the anointing of God can be on us. And I know I'm kind of getting off on this, but He says in 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. There's something to be said about the holiness of God in the sanctification that He's called us to be called out, separated, and sanctified, and live differently. And man, we struggle with that. This coming Sunday, I'm going to be touching on that a little bit in the message that we're bringing out uh, of the second part of last week's message. But we are to be separated. We struggle with that because we're sinners. So he's standing in the presence of God. And I, and I know I'm just building up to this because I don't want to read anything and not explain it as we go into this. But I want to talk about the faithfulness of God through this. You know, uh, a lot of times we struggle with making excuses. I, I remember when my kids were little, it's a whole different world for me now. But I would tell my kids when, you know, they were like five, seven, and ten years old, I'd be like, go brush your teeth. Is there, if you guys remember for some of you what a trial, a headache that is just to get your kids to go brush their teeth. Jordan's in the bathroom already, and he took my toothbrush, and it, it fell behind the toilet, and I brushed my teeth last night, and I didn't put anything dirty in my mouth, so I don't have to brush. You know, all these excuses that you get, and I'm just thinking, just go brush your teeth. All I'm asking you to do is obey dad, walk in there and brush your teeth. It's amazing how when God calls us to do something, he's just looking for one simple thing. 
Trust and obey. Just listen to what God is telling us to do. So God speaks to Moses. Okay, watch this. Verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. I'm not doing this now, but I tell you what. When we start getting into the names of God and stuff like that, and there's another study that I've done through this where I just talk about God. So powerful. But can I just stop for a minute and tell you why this verse is so cool? Because we hear stories. And I love hearing stories. This, this church was started and planted by Pastor Denoff and Mrs. Denoff. Man, 55 years ago, they came here. 55 years ago, years before I was even thought of or born. Coming by faith and not having anything. And, 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 and I, I hear about the stories of Pastor Denoff saying, let me tell you what God did to get me here. Let me tell you how God provided and things like that. You, you realize what God was saying is he started pulling up the stories of their fathers and the people before them and said, you know what I did from Abraham? And I was the God of Jacob. I was the God of Isaac. I was their God. I was the God of Pastor Denoff. I was the God of D.L. Moody. I was the God of Billy Sunday. I was the God of Billy Graham. I was the God of, you know, all that. And then he stops and says, and by the way, I'm your God. It's not a past tense, has been, I, I, I was all their gods. So the God that pulled off every story that you ever heard of is the same God that you're standing in the presence with. So I, I love the fact, and there's, a, there's songs that we sing about, you know, give me that old time religion and things like that. And I think it's cool to reminisce, but it is. But I don't have to borrow from my parents what they had. God is fresh and new in my life every day. God is alive in my heart, and the same God that served them is the same God that works in me. It's awesome to know this. In verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and they have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for, for I know their sorrow, which is so powerful. God says, I know what you're going through, and I am come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land to a good land, enlarge to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And he says, I'm going I'm, I'm to bring them into a place of plenty. Have you ever, when you were kids, just be totally honest with me right now. And if you're watching online, just comment. Be honest with me, okay? Have you ever heard the phrase flowing with milk and honey and literally think of rivers with milk and honey? I mean, that's what I thought of when I was a kid. I mean, I just, my mind went to that. But, but it's a visual, it's, it's, a, it's a, a visual of the plenty of God or the abundance of God's goodness. And the, 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 uh, cow, the milk represented cows, cows represented uh, like open land and pastures, honey represented trees and bees and all those other things. And, and it was it talked about the sweetness of God and the provision of God. And it literally talked about what they produced of the milk and honey. And that it was in abundance. And God said, I'm going to be to a land that it's not starvation. And you're not sitting there being, you know, living on the scraps and the leftovers of everybody else. But I'm going to bless you in a big, amazing way of doing this. That's what he was saying. He said, now therefore behold, the cry of the city of the children, or the, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherein the Egyptians have oppressed them. Come now, therefore. Now listen to this. And I will send thee unto Pharaoh. Now just, I need you to get this part as we go there. I, God, am going to send you to do this. 
that thou mightest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Notice how he's saying, I will do this. God was simply saying, I'm going to do this. You're the tool that I'm choosing to accomplish this through. You're the, I'm going to work through you. I'm going to do the work. The same thing that God does today. If you're a parent, God said, I'm going to raise your kids. And we sit there and talk about the mistakes that we have or we, that's, we didn't plan on these kids or whatever. God is the author and giver of life. And God says, man, if I've, if I've made you a parent, I will equip you to be the very best parent that you can be because God makes no mistakes and God doesn't lead us to fail. If God leads you into ministry, God's going to lead you to be what he wants you to be with that. I, I went to a pastor's conference just a few weeks ago. Uh, back in January, and, and uh, one of the guys got up during that time, and he, he made a comment, a big deal about that. He said, remember this, you're going to f- battle with doubts in your mind. He said, if there was a better pastor to lead that church, then God would remove you and put that pastor in there. But if you are the pastor that God has put into that church, then you are the one that God has planned to lead that church. The same thing goes for you as a life group leader, as a parent, you know, and he said, I'm so insignificant, I'm not good enough, and all this. And God says, no, I'm going to do this through you. That's what God is doing. God is speaking through the bush to explain, I work through things to put the power on them. But our doubt kicks in and we struggle. So here it is. And Moses said unto God, who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Who has the guts to talk to God and even question God when God is doing this? It's amazing to see that. It's just, can you imagine God saying, now just, we're reading this story of what's happening in this. Can you imagine God being like, oh, dude, oh, I'm so sorry, man. I, I thought, I, never mind, I thought you were qualified for this. I'm sorry for bugging you in the middle of the wilderness and that. I am so sorry. You know, he's questioning God. I, I know we laugh at that because we're thinking how silly is that, but don't we question God? Don't we question God when God gives you a job and you're working a job and you're thinking, man, I'm not good enough. I'll never learn this job. I'll never be good enough. And God says, didn't you pray for that job? Didn't you rejoice and share it in your church about God gave me a job and God led you to this point? Well, then if God led you that God doesn't call you to fail. He's saying, God, in his mind, Lord, are you sure? I've, I've been away 40 years. I'm 80 years old. I, I failed the first time. I left on bad terms. I, I, I've been away so long. I'm rusty now. You say, well, God, it doesn't make sense that you would call somebody that's 80 years old and has all these problems to do this. I think God would probably come back and say, you know what doesn't make sense is you talking to a burning bush in the middle of the desert. You know, that, that's kind of the thing that doesn't make sense at all. But God calls us to do things that doesn't make sense. Things that you're going to say, this doesn't add up. And now, Lord, I just don't get this. This doesn't add up. This is how God confronts our doubts. I'm just going to give you three points tonight, okay? So we teach through this. Verse 12, and he said, certainly. If, if you're writing in your Bible, you need to circle that word, certainly. <laughs> I mean, and he said, certainly. I will be with thee. He said, I, I, I'm going to give you a guarantee. I'm going to make you a promise. Every doubt and every concern that you could possibly have in your heart and mind right now, God was simply saying, I will be with you, and this shall be a token unto you. I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, and you shall serve God upon this mountain. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee this. He said, you're going to go, you're going to rescue them, and he said, I'll make you a promise. You're going to come right to the same spot. God made this promise to this. So how does God confront our doubts? Number one, God promises to be with us. God promises to be with us. 
I, I told you guys a story of how I became pastor here and everything that I went through with this. I, I can tell you, as, as fearful and as excuses that I could come, God made a promise. You know, if, I, if I lead you, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If God leads you, he's going to do the work for you. God promised to be with you. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now. God was saying, I give you my word. Certainly, I'll be with you. And all that we do, remember that God is with us. Let me ask you this. Even right now, God is with us as a church. God's, guys, it would probably scare you if you knew all the, the ideas that we had going on uh, in the back of our mind about reaching our community and stepping out of our comfort zone and doing all these things. Man, we're constantly praying, Lord, expand us, because this is the thing. God made us a promise that unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. And I made this comment before, and I, I literally mean this. If your vision for our church and your vision for your life doesn't scare you, your vision's not big enough. Unto him that's do, able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Man, God takes your level right here of this is what we could handle or this is what we could do, and he does exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. That's, God says, my vision for you is somewhere up here, and you're down here, and what caps you out a lot of times down here is doubt. God's confronting his doubt. God's saying, I'm going to do this. So let's lay out these excuses. Excuse number one, he says this, I won't know what to say. You know what I'm saying? This, this is what he was saying right there. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? <laughs> That's what he's saying. This is the excuse. This is why he's had doubt. He's like, I have no idea what I would do. Have, have you guys ever been afraid to step out to do something because you thought, I'll have no idea what to say? You know, have you ever witnessed to somebody or stopped witnessing to somebody? You, you thought, man, I'm going to go up to them at work and, and maybe they're Muslim or maybe they're from another, I don't know, a different background or whatever. And you're thinking, man, I just don't know what to say. They're an atheist. I don't know what to say. So it is like, I've got the Great Commission. I'll be with you till the end of the age. But then we back up because I don't know what to say. You know, the crazy thing is we've already studied the education that he had. I mean, he knew, what, he knew everything about his fathers, his father-in-law with his priest. He had all this knowledge around him. It was nothing more than fear and excuse. Man, we say this all the time. We battle with this all the time. We're worried about people asking the question, did, he, did, did Adam have a belly button? I don't know. You know I'm like, we're fearful of all these things that people are going to ask. Do angels really have wings? And were there dinosaurs on the ark? And, you know, we, we get so fearful. Or even with your kids, Man, we want to sit down and talk to them. And it's like, man, I don't know if I'm going to have the words to say. Do you know what God made us a promise? He said, no matter where you go, the promise that he said, I will go with you. And if God's going with us, then God's going to handle whatever he's taken us to do. And God said unto him, verse 14, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. This is what God was saying. I'll give you the words to say. Man, I'll give you the words to say. I, I can tell you guys, and I'm, I'm not, I'm just being transparent and honest when I say this. I, I've had messages on my heart that I, 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 just, I just felt so consumed. Like, I, I don't even know. I, I'd read through my notes and I'm sitting in my office going, I don't even know how I'm going to explain this. It's amazing when you get in that spot, how God just begins to take over and to give you the words 
I've been in situations where I've witnessed to people and I've like, God, I don't even know how to start this conversation. You guys ever been there? I don't want to witness to them and I don't even know how to start the conversation. And then all of a sudden, I was in this one situation, I know I've told this story, and they turned around and said, so you go to church, what's that like? I mean, no joke. I'm like, what? You know, like, what just happened here? Because we, we, we doubt the Spirit of God working. God said, I told you I'm going to do this. How does God confront our failures? God promises to go with me, certainly. Number two, he promises to give us the words to say. He said, I'll give you the words in verse 14. He said, you're going to walk in there and I'm going to give it. He said, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to use your mouth to deliver the message of God. I'll give you the words. He said, you're going to be my mouthpiece. And I know we do this even with counseling with people and stuff like that, not knowing what the words to say. James 1.5, if, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. That, that's what God said. God, God said, I'm, I'm going to guide your works. So I'm going to tell you what to say. And in this passage, he said, tell them Yahweh, the self-existing God that it has always been is the one that you represent. You know what he was telling him? He said, I, I've already got the message you're going to preach. And I know for us, we're like, Yahweh sent me. Now paint this picture. Moses is walking back into a place of idol worship. Think about how cool this is. He goes in, there's just temples and statues and everything that their own people were making up for these things. So he's walking in there and he says, well, I don't even know what I'm going to say to him. He said, you're going to walk into them and say Yahweh. So they weren't going to really understand what this was going on. But he was literally saying, the one that I represent is the God that, that is the only true living God. You say, why is that a big deal? Because God was going to give him the message to preach because God knew what was going to follow. You know what was going to follow? is the 10 plagues that was going to happen over them. Do you know how cool that was? Because uh, Moses was going in not really knowing what to say, but Pharaoh was going to get the message one after one. When the power of God began to come down, you know what Moses was doing was just pointing and said, oh, he did it. That's all his job was to do. Yahweh is like, he turned the water into blood. Yahweh, that's all he had to do. Just point to the one that had the power to do everything. Our job is really simple. It's just a matter of allowing God to work through us. It's the same thing in our job today. It's like the world is so caught up with false religions and false doctrine, all these things around us. And when you say, what, what do we have to do? We just have to point to the Yahweh. We point to the truth. And the thing is, we have to know that God has this all worked out. And I'm going to warn you about something because this is really cool. Have you ever thought what Moses was going through when he goes in there and he says, let my people go. And he says, well, who is your God that we should serve? Him? Oh, he's Yahweh. And he's expecting this to like, oh, okay, you serve the one true living God. We're going to let him go. Instead, well, you know what Pharaoh does? Pharaoh turns around and says, oh, if your God is all that and you're coming in here and you have time to worship, then we're going to double the work. And they made it harder on them. Now, for us, that would look like a failure. Do you realize that that was part of God's plan? And a lot of times we doubt God in situations because things don't go the way that we think that they should go. Have you guys ever done something that you were stepping out on faith and it, and it flopped in your face? I remember years ago, and I say years and years ago, and only a few people in here, Sharon and Nancy, Janice, a few of them in here would remember this, these stories. Um, so I wanted to have a youth rally when I first came to Fellowship Baptist Church. I just had it on my, my heart and mind to do a youth rally. And I didn't really know what I was getting into. I didn't know how to do this or whatever. I just had it on my heart that I wanted to have a youth rally. 
So I made a budget and planned everything around 500 teenagers. I thought, that's, that's a reasonable goal. You know, I thought, you know, I was really zealous and where I came from and stuff like that, they had that. So here I am going into it, and we only had like 150, 180 teens registered. Well, my budget was for 500. I totally messed up. I'm this brand new youth pastor. I had all this, and everything's just falling apart. And here I'm thinking, man, I totally failed at this. Man, I remember being depressed as the buses were pulling in, and I'm thinking, man, I thought this was going to be something. And, and I, I don't know a lot of these guys, Irvin and them, will remember this, but I'll tell you, there was such a sweet spirit in that service. When by the time we got done with the fun and the games, we came in here and the preacher got up to preach, there was like 15, 20 teenagers that accepted Christ. God says, no, it didn't go the way you thought it would, but it wasn't a failure because God had everything work out to an expected end. You see, what God was doing right here is he's telling him, I don't need you to try to figure out how it's going to go or what's going to happen through this. I need you just to trust And I remember repenting at the end of the day, saying, God, I'm sorry for this. See, Moses goes, and Pharaoh not only says no, but he makes them do even more work. And in our minds, we're thinking that Moses was going to fail at this. But it wasn't that. God had this plan. It was already part of God's plan. Look at verse 19. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. God said, I already know he's going to say no. Isn't that cool? I mean, think about it. We, we sit there and say, Moses, go, let my people go. No. It's like, oh, okay, I thought that was going to work. Let my people go again. No. Ten times. He didn't fail ten times. You know what God was doing? God was going to say, I'm going to prove to them and all the people and all the surrounding nations that I am the almighty God, that I am the creator. I am Yahweh. I am not a rock. I'm not a stick. I'm not a statue. I'm not an empty temple. I'm not all this stuff. He said, man, I, I'm going to prove to them. And every time they raise up one of their false gods, and that's what the 10 commandments or the, uh, the 10 plagues were. It was literally God sitting there flicking off every one of their false gods, because that's what the, the uh, 10 plagues were. I don't know if you ever noted that, but every one of them represented one of their gods. And God said, no, I'm not failing. I'm going to prove to him that I am the mighty God and he can raise up his hand and he can be Um, uh, resistant against me and everything, but he's not going to take me out. God knows this. God knows when we have doubt, we're going to go to witness to somebody, and maybe we planted the seed, but we did not fail just because it didn't go our way. God knows this. If you get up to give your testimony, and you're thinking, man, I'm so nervous, and you you stutter through the words of it, you didn't fail. God God said, let me work through this. I'll give you the words to say, I'm going to be behind this. God uses our effort. God uses us to plant the seeds. And sometimes in the midst of it, we're thinking that I'm going to trip through this. And I tell you guys, sometimes I know I mess up with words. I know my, my wife will tell me almost every Sunday, do you know what you said today? I'm like, oh, don't tell me. I just, I, I'm just terrible. I'm terrible at grammar. I'm, ter- I'm terrible at spelling. And I know my wife will tell me the whole thing, I before E, except after I know all that, but it doesn't make sense to me. I, I stink at it. I'm just being honest. English, the language, is, is, it's, a, it's my nemesis, I'm telling you. And a lot of times it puts so much doubt in me that I shouldn't do it. And I'll, I'll get tripped up in my words, and the more I get tripped up, and then I'm just sitting there having Satan whisper in my ears, going like, you dummy, why are you even up here? You know, people, it, it just, it's terrible. And, I, and I, I, I feel for Moses as he's saying this, because he even reiterates this towards the end of it. But let me read the, a verse for you, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, 
to give you an expected end. And God said, I know what I'm going to bring you through it. I know what it is. But he said, I know all these things are going to work together for good. This is what God does. So Moses is saying, I don't have the words and I don't know what to do. I just can't do this. And God says, you know what? It's not about you fumbling up the words. It's not about what you have in the answer. It's about the Spirit of God working through you as a vessel. And man, some of us are just awful, ugly, pathetic vessels. We are. I just feel terrible. I just... You know, and us, and if we're not careful, we start judging what's going to come after it by man's standards rather than the power of God working through us to give us the words to say. So he said this, he said, verse 20, and I will stretch out my hand and I will smite Egypt with, with wonders, to which we'll do in the midst of them. And after that, he will let you go. God says, I want him to say no 10 times. And it's not failure. And it's not that you messed up what you're saying. It's just that I'm going to use his arrogance to prove the greatness of God. So I'm okay being a messed up English grammar spelling guy. I am. Because if God can work through my broken English and, and my words, and maybe it just it connects to the people, like if people are out there going, man, I understand this guy because I speak on a third grade level, then praise God for that. Verse 21, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. And God said, even at the end of this, I'm going to do a work. I'm going to break them down. I'm going to give you the spoils. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to bring him to his knees. God told Moses, you may not have all the answers, but you have me and I'm all you need. Guys, just remember that. You, you might not have the look or any of those things, but let me tell you, you serve the God that does. And God just wants to work through you. And I, I think when we get over ourselves and we stop making excuses, God can do a great thing. And, and I, I think God wants to do amazing things through us. I, I think even with us doing the, the, the drama and everything right now, I'm just when we first started doing this and we got into this, people were like, you know, there's a chance that we could put all this work into the drama and nobody even comes this year. I know, but but what if they do? You know, it's the thing. What, what if only five do? I, I, I just, we just have to follow the leading of the Spirit of God even when it seems crazy. And Moses answered, Exodus chapter 4 verse 1, and Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. So here's another excuse. What if they don't believe me? God, I believe you, but I don't know if they'll believe me. You've got to think during this time, he was going in as, as a shepherd. Before, he was like one of Pharaoh's men. Forty years in the desert, you know, he's, he's probably got a pot belly now. You know, he just, he's comfortable in life. He's a dad. He's probably like a grandfather at this stage. He's a shepherd. The shepherds to that, that nation, they were outcasts. They were like rednecks. This would be like the biggest redneck in West Virginia, going before the president of the United States of America making demands. He's just like, dude, you got the wrong guy. Why are you doing all this? You know, he said, they're not going to believe me. You see, the thing is, God could have called anybody, but God didn't. God called him because he was the right guy for the job. Verse 1 again, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. Wait a minute. I'm going to ask you guys, was he not listening? Verse 18, chapter 3, verse 18. 
and they shall hearken to thy voice. God already said, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk and they're going to listen to you. This is the same thing with us in Acts 1.8. I don't think we listen. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You know, it's amazing what God is going to do through us because God said it's never you. God made us a promise to do this. So Moses was battling with the what ifs. And I think we battle with the what ifs all the time. We do. Well, what if I don't know what to say? What if I don't have the answers? And what if, what if they ask me a question I've never heard? And what if I teach this class or lead this life group? And we're all full of excuses. God is greater than all those things. But I love this, that God shows Moses grace through his doubt. God loves him through his doubt. God, God knows that we fail. God knows our English and grammar issues. And God still works through us. How did God confront his, confront his doubts and our doubts? God promised to give him the words to say. God promised that he would be with him. And this is the last thing. He promised to work through us. He said, I'm not only going to be with you. He said, and this is cool. I'm a visual person. So I love how when God says, let me show you how I can do this. And, and this is the grace of God because God could have just said, stop making excuses or I'm going to strike you. You know, God could have done that, but he didn't. Isn't it cool that God's patient with us as a father? I mean, I know a lot of you guys are parents out here and a lot of you guys are parents watching. And, and you sit there and say when your kids are messing up or they're making excuses or you're teaching them to tie their shoe and they get all mad and frustrated. And you just say, calm down. Give me your foot. Let me show you one more time. When you say, why do we do that? Because you're a father that loves your kids. And you know that just in their, their limitations and their patience that they, run, they just run dry on that. We just do and then God steps in that loving father and says, here, sit down, son. And that's what God's doing with Moses right here. He's faithful through his doubts. And the Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled before it. The Lord said unto Moses, put forth thy hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and he caught it and it became a rod in his hand. Now let me say right there, if I was Moses, I would have been done with this whole thing because I would have ran and not went back. I grew up in Alabama. I grew up around snakes. I absolutely hate snakes. This would have been a terrible illustration for me, but anyways. So you can see what God's doing this. God was saying, they will believe you because they're going to believe what I'm going to do through you. And it's neat to see what God does through us as he does this. And that's what he's saying. Today, what will God do through us? God will allow you to show the love of God and the patience of God, and God will work through you in different situations that, that he says, man, they're going to say, what is different about you? And now, obviously, we don't go around throwing sticks on the ground and they turn into snakes. If God let me do that, I think it would be kind of cool to have some sort of ability like that. I think that would be great on Sundays to get people's attention, but that's not how God works. But God works through our patience, and God works through our love. I know I've told this story before. It's just one of those things that shook me up so much. Um, there, was, there was a Kmart over here on Refugee Road. And in the Kmart was the only Little Caesars around here. Well, when you're raising a family, you've got young kids, and, and you want to do a pizza night, and you're on a budget, Little Caesars is the place to go. But if you went to Little Caesars inside the Kmart, it was normally chaotic, and it was, it was, it was a headache. And I remember that. Well, one time I went in there, it was extra, extra, extra bad. And the line literally went all the way out and around and things like this. And this was before you could order online and all that other stuff. And I just remember getting in this giant line. 
And everybody there was aggravated. I had a call ahead order and I did this and where's my thing? And you know, all this other stuff, the phone's ringing, nobody's answering the phone. And I remember just being so irritated and I'm like, God, give me the patience. I don't have time for this. I'm tired. I just want to go home. I promised the kids pizza. I can't go home without pizza. And then all the people in front of me was like, why don't you answer the stinking phone? What is wrong with you people? Why don't you do your job? They were just yelling at me. You could tell it was just stressing the employees out even more. And then finally I said, God, just, just God, give me the patience. Just get me through this. And I remember walking up to the counter and I finally had my turn. And I, I just was like, hey, you guys are having a rough night. I feel so bad for you guys. But you're, doing, you're doing the best that you can. I just was trying to be the love of God. And she looked at me and she said, thank you so much, Pastor Tony. And I was like, it's like, she knows who I am. I'm like, I, I didn't know who in the world this person was. I was like, hey, she goes, I used to be in your youth group years ago and all this other stuff. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I didn't like complain or whatever. And it's amazing how God works through our patience and our love. Because at that moment, she's able to see this isn't just the God that he talks about on Sunday. It's who he is on Friday night in the, little, in the line for Little Caesars. And God sees, or the world begins to see something different in us. It's not throwing a snake on the ground, but they look at us and say, why'd you forgive him? Why'd you give that guy a second chance? Why, why, did, you, why did you show them grace? Why did you do that for them? And stuff? Because it's what God would want me to do. And all of a sudden, the world begins to see something different in us. It's not about our talents and abilities. It's the fruit of the what? The fruit of the Spirit. It is, it, is, it is God working through us. If we won't quench the Spirit of God, remember that's what we talked about a few weeks ago, is quenching the Spirit of God. So here's even excuse number three. He said, I'm not good at speaking. And I know this even goes back to what he was saying before. First of all, he said, I won't know what to say. And now he's saying, I'll even fumble it up. And again, Moses, I'm with you, dude. Verse 10, and Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent neither heretofore nor since as thou spoken unto thy servant, but slow to speech and slow of tongue. Moses was just saying, I'm, I'm the wrong dude. Man, I'm, I'm just going to mess this up. I was, he, he's just being honest about his fears with this. Do you know somebody else in the Bible that wasn't very good at speaking? You, you guys ready for this? Paul, the apostle was not a good speaker. You say, that, that's crazy. He was one of the greatest evangelists. Now, Moses in the Old Testament was one of the greatest leader, leaders there was. We hide behind our failures. We hide behind our weaknesses. But didn't Jesus say, when you're weak, then you're made strong? Isn't that what he said? You say, man, I am not a good parent because blah, blah, blah. And God says, I can work through blah, blah, blah because I'm greater than that. Let me just fast forward to Paul, okay? And brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He said, I didn't come to you as a great speaker. He said, it wasn't for that. He said, I just wanted you to know Jesus. You say, how did God bless him so much in spite of him not coming to them in excellence of speech? He said, for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, I had one mission in mind. I just wanted you to know Jesus. Can I tell you something that I've learned as a pastor? 
Sometimes God can work through your broken speech and your broken English and your bad reading if you stand before them with the heart of God and the passion of God and the love of God. Because those things speak and overpower all of those things. And he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Have you ever gave your testimony like that? You know what I'm talking about? Have you, have you ever witnessed to somebody at work like that or sat down to confront a Christian that's been drifting from God or whatever it was and you just said, man, I came to you trembling. I was scared. Man, he said, I, I came to you in much weakness. I, I, I know we guys, we have the, the drama stage and there's a bunch of spots back there that we'll hide and we all hide behind these walls and come out at different times and stuff like that when we're doing. And I've seen a lot of them just like pacing and things like that. And, and I'll go up to him, are you okay? He's like, man, I've got to go out and do my lines or I've got my song next or whatever. And I'll just remind them and just remember, you are walking out there representing the great I am. God is going to work through you. God's going to give you the words to say, just don't do it in your strength. Do it in the fact that you are nervous and weak is great because you understand that it's less of me and more of him. And he said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power. That should be my life verse right there. <laughs> That's what I want. It's like, I just want it to be that it's not about my enticing words, but in the demonstration of the Spirit of God. Man, that's what it's all about. He said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Keep lifting up Jesus. Keep preaching the Word of God. Keep the gospel the forefront. And so God teach Moses this lesson through this. In verse 11, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Who hath made the dumb, the deaf, and the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Therefore go, and I will be with the, thy mouth, and teach thee the way that thou shalt go. He just wraps it out with this. He says, just wait a minute, Moses. And, and God has to do with this, with us. If you struggle with confidence as a parent, and I know we do, and I use that as an illustration, because all the time, man, I'll be like, God, just, I don't know what to say. Man, I was with um, Morgan for my birthday, I think it was, or, or Christmas or whatever. Uh, she gave me a little package and it was a date night, and it had a Starbucks gift card and a, a restaurant gift card and things like that. So last night, I redeemed my date night with my daughter. And, and I just remember, it's like, God, I'm just going to go out. I just pray that you give me the words to say to invest in my daughter. I just, I, I, I just I want her to know that I'm proud of her and that I love her, and, and th- I, want, I want her to feel that. And, and I think we make excuses, like, I'm not good enough, and Lord, I don't know what to say, and all this. And God says, to, even to me as a dad, he says, did I not make you a dad? Did I give you the brain and the wisdom and, and the, the job and everything? Did, did I not give you that? Then let me handle this. So whatever it is, with him, he says, who made man's mouth? Who made you a dad? Who made you a mom? Who gave you that job? Who, who called you to be that life group leader, or that deacon, or that teacher, or whatever? And God says, just, just let me do this through you. I'm going to tell you, he, he has a couple other doubts that he says through this, and he does this, and God does this, but the point that I, I want to get across is we serve a God that is so patient with us. And when we just feel like, God, I'm not good enough, and I just can't, how many things have we missed out on seeing God do exceedingly abundantly above what you could ask or think because you just kept making excuses after excuses, and God was just shooting them down? 
one after another. I, I, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Man, I, I believe that in this room and online, maybe God has something in the next week, two weeks, year. Like God's going to call you to do something. And it might be big and crazy and scary. But just remember, God will call you and God will eliminate your excuses because he'll remind you, I am the God of all gods. I created you. I created your talents. I created your abilities. I'll give you the words. I'll guide you. I'll be with you. I'll handle it. So let's not make up excuses and miss out on what God, our faithful God has for us.